Good afternoon. My name is Kelly Wolf, as Carla had, had told you. I am honored to share my testimony with you, precious sisters. I asked Carla what the acronym WIN stood for, and she explained that it represents women identifying a new normal. Wow. What a positive perspective on this season of life. Before I get started, I'd like to say a prayer to the Lord to bless this time. Dear Father in heaven, I praise you and I thank you. Please give me the words to speak directly to the hearts of these precious sisters. You know and love each one here. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The book of Ecclesiastes was written by the King Solomon. And chapter 3 is a familiar passage that says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate, and a time for war, and a time for peace. In 1959, the American folk rock band called The Birds put King Solomon's lyrics to music and released the song in 1965. You probably are familiar with it as it reached number one on the US Billboard charts. I'll play just a little piece of it for you. remember that one? Yeah. It is distinguished as the number one pop hit with the oldest lyrics written around 950 BC. The truth of God's word is so profound and relatable even 3,000 years later. Ladies, I met my knight in shining armor at my church one Sunday when I came home from college for the weekend. He was a Christian, check. 
He was tall, dark, and handsome. Check, check, check. Those last three qualities you consider important when you're young. He had served four years of honorable service in the U.S. Navy. He was a single dad. He was a gentleman, and I fell in love with him. His name? Jerry Caruso. We were married on September the 1st, 1985. At the age of 19, I was a new wife, and I was a new stepmom to a beautiful two-year-old baby boy named Justin. The following year, we had bought a home, and Jerry continued to build a business that he had started three years prior with his brothers. I worked full-time in medical billing and made my way up that corporate ladder. Life continued unremarkably until my mom became ill and passed away at the young age of 48. In my grief after losing my mother, I got stuck in the anger stage of grief, and my anger was turned toward God. The anger lasted for about a decade, a decade of not going to church, not reading my Bible, and not even saying a prayer. Although I left go of the God of heaven, sweet sisters, he never left go of me. Romans 8, verses 39 and thir- 38 and 39, the Apostle Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, and not even my anger. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, King David said, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And he did. As I look back at that season of my life, the enemy of my soul will use it to incite feelings of regret and guilt for the wasting of those years. Dear sisters, if you have regrets, the lover of our soul reminds us in Romans 8.1 that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And Joel 2.25, God promises, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. During my season of being a prodigal, my husband Jerry was so busy building our company, he worked seven days a week, averaging over 80 hours per week. The fact that he worked every Sunday made it easier for me to justify not attending church. Seven years into our marriage, I gave birth to a beautiful baby boy named Jules. In the following year after Jules was born, I lost two babies early in each pregnancy. Three years later, I gave birth to a beautiful baby girl named Geraldine. After each baby was born, I I felt I had no choice but to return to work after eight short weeks when my employer's maternity leave had ended. You see, I was the primary breadwinner of our family. As Jerry chose to reinvest most of the money earned by our business back into the business by buying property, erecting company buildings, and acquiring equipment for the business. 
I accepted the responsibility of bringing home the paycheck that paid the mortgage and of making sure our family was covered by health insurance. The stress of my chosen career felt overwhelming. I longed to stay home with my babies. We hired a nanny named Cindy to take care of our children in our home during the hours I worked. For seven years, Cindy came to work in my home. She had her Bible in her hand. Every day she walked through my door, she had that Bible. I saw that Bible and it convicted me, but I pushed back and I ignored it. After 13 years of investing everything into our business, my husband had a falling out with his brothers and walked away from the business. He took nothing from the business and left it all to his brothers. We had to start over. Jerry was a humble man, and he worked menial jobs for the next couple of years. In 1997, Jerry applied to and was hired by the railroad. He completed conductor school, then accepted the challenge to go straight to engineer school. He was an overachiever. I helped him study for his signal tests, and he aced all of his classes. All along, Jerry communicated to me his appreciation of my commitment to work outside our home. He was grateful of my support of him and of our shared goal of building a business, a business that we had lost. He knew my ultimate dream was to be a stay-at-home mom, so he, promised, he made a promise to me during one of those railroad study sessions. He said, honey, give me one year of working this new job and I will make sure our finances are in order so that you can stay home with our children. Well, Jerry was a man of his word. In exactly one year, I gave my two weeks notice, and I signed up for the PTA to be a PTA and classroom mom for my seven-year-old son's school with my three-year-old daughter on my hip. I thought I had died and gone to heaven. Prior to my children's nanny Cindy leaving our home, she invited us to church. We accepted her invitation and began attending her church. Our church attendance was sporadic. We arrived late, sat in the balcony, and at the last, when the last amen was said, I'd gather my children and we'd leave. No commitment. The pastor's name was Jack Kelly, and he implored the congregation in every sermon to read your Bible. He said it every time he preached. I eventually agreed it was probably a good idea, and I committed to read my Bible as a chore on my daily checklist, beginning with the Old Testament. But as I completed this task in a period of a couple of years, the inspired words of God himself were melting my prodigal heart of stone during that time. And when I finally closed the book after reading the entire Bible and ending with the last chapter of Revelation, I was in complete awe of who God is, a just and a holy God, full of mercy and truth, of Jesus Christ who is, and what he did for me on that cross, bearing all of my guilt and shame, and who the Holy Spirit is, and how he stirred my heart when I would see Cindy's Bible and allowed me to understand the truth of God's word as I read through it. I cried out to Jesus and asked him to forgive me and not just save me from hell as I had asked him as a child, 
but to be the Savior and Lord over all of my life, to use my life for his purpose. I surrendered everything and acknowledged the truth of the Bible that says God is sovereign over everything. Proverbs 16.33 tells us, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Precious sisters, nothing happens in our life without the God of heaven and earth allowing it. The God of the universe who dearly loves you. And if he allows it, we have to trust him through it. Prior to me digesting this truth, I was adept at all three consuming skills. Controlling, micromanaging, and worry. Then I read what Jesus himself said in Matthew 26, verses, 27 through 20, verses 25 through 27. He said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, not much, are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? In Philippians 4, 6 and 7, we are instructed, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For the first time in my life, I felt this peace. I understood that I was dearly loved and cherished by my Father God in heaven, the God who was sovereign over everything, who longed for me to read his love letter. You see, I had been raised in a Christian home, a very dysfunctional yet Christian home, and that's a story for another time. Prior to my mother dying, I attended church every week. I was enrolled in a Christian school for the better part of my education. But my faith was based on accepting Jesus as my ticket out of hell and nothing more. It was rules-based. I was taught that a Christian is a person who didn't do a very long list of things as well as a person who had to do an equally long list of things in order to be a Christian. That type of faith had no foundation when the difficult seasons of life came like an ocean wave and knocked me off my feet. Sisters, Jesus wants us to repent of our sins so that we have a relationship. He already did the work on the cross. Romans 5.8, Paul tells us, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. One Sunday, during a church service, soon after surrendering my life to the Lord, I happened to look out from the balcony, and I saw a man interpreting the service in American Sign Language for the deaf members of the congregation. It looked so beautiful as he waved his arms and communicated that beautiful language. Instead of me slipping out the door on that last amen, I made my way down to that gentleman. I introduced myself. I gained new friends who were interpreters and friends who were deaf. I was so drawn to this language and the beautiful people who used it as part of their culture. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When you delight in the Lord, 
When you spend time with him in prayer and in his word, your desires align with his desires. One deaf woman who was so gracious toward me invited me to her home once a week to teach me sign language. She encouraged me to take college classes. In my spare time, I watched ASL videos and read sign language dictionaries and books on interpreting. I had no idea where this was all heading, I, I, but I just continued to follow the, the Lord's leading. It wasn't easy. The only community college campus that offered classes in ASL and deaf culture was an hour and a half from my home. At 9 p.m. when my class would end, I would get in my car, turn on my phone, and listen to the voicemail message from my 10-year-old daughter. Then I would cry the rest of the way home. I'll play one of those voicemails for you. Hi, Mommy, it's Jervin. I'm going to head up to bed now. It's 830. I love you. Bye. Get home safe. I can't bring myself to delete that message. I'd ask myself, why am I doing this? I am the stay-at-home mom that I had always wanted to be. I didn't have to do this. I should be home tucking in my 10-year-old little girl, reading bedtime stories, listening to her say her prayers. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 promises that if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, in all our ways acknowledge him, he shall direct our paths. Truthfully, trusting him felt like as if I were holding onto a rope and the rope was pulling me 100 miles an hour in an unknown direction. My deaf friends encouraged me to develop my ASL skills by volunteering with programs for the deaf. I interviewed for a volunteer position at Goodwill Industries to work for, with deaf individuals. At this point, my ASL skills were not quite developed. This interview forever humbled me. Dear sisters, you are in the presence of one who was rejected for a volunteer position. Yep. My next interview, interview to volunteer was at the Western Pennsylvania School for the Deaf. I was accepted this time, and I volunteered one day a week for the next three years. While volunteering there, I was relegated to making endless copies in the copy room for a good portion of my time. But I felt I was exactly where the Lord wanted me to be, so I took every opportunity to glean any language skills I could. I continued taking college classes during that time. I sat at the dining room table with my kids, and we all did our homework together. At the age of 40, I had to admit that my brain was no longer the sponge that it was 20 years prior, and acing my biology final took a little extra effort on my part. After my college graduation, I was hired as an interpreter with, for an interpreter position. I studied for and I passed my interpreter certification tests that qualified me to work in both elementary and secondary schools. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. At this point in my life, Life was so good. My relationship with the Lord was good. I worked two years in this new career that allowed me to work while my kids were in school, and I was off when my kids were off. 
We were enjoying our grandchildren, born to my stepson, Justin. And in 2010, we celebrated our son, Jules, high school graduation. And Jerry and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. And then one day that same year, Jerry said he didn't feel well. The following week, he ended up in the hospital, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, followed by six months of unrelenting pain and suffering, surgeries, and chemo. And at the end of those six months, Jerry died. For the first time in my adult life, I was alone, a single mom of two teenagers. That familiar dread of grief overtook my being, only this time its grip was deeper and darker than I had felt in my previous losses. I begged the Lord in the weeks and months that followed Jerry's death to not allow me to let go of him as I had done before. As deep as the pain of grief was losing my husband, I was able to hold on to the truth of God's word that tells me he is sovereign over everything that happens. We may not understand God's purposes, and we would have never chosen the grief that we've gone through. But precious ones, we can trust the God who loves us, the God who knows each one of us so intimately. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, David said of the Lord, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And he reveals in verse 16 that all the days ordained for us were written in his book before one of them came to be. Before we were born, before our late husbands were born, God already knew the exact date of death. He knows every detail about us, and he loves us. How can we not trust him? Looking back on the events that unfolded in my life, I can clearly see how the Lord's hand guided me, giving me the ability to go through what was on the road ahead of me. Even though while I was on that road, I couldn't see what was ahead of me. When the dust settled and everyone else went back to their normal lives, I had to identify my new normal in my new season of life. I was only two years into my new profession of interpreting for deaf students in schools, and I realized the Lord had orchestrated this profession specifically for me, specifically for this season. The stress of my new career that the Lord had directed was very low, and manageable, and did not interfere with the long road of grief work that lay ahead of me. I relied on the Father's grace and mercy to learn to identify my and my children's new normal. I learned how to cut the grass for the first time with our tractor. I learned how to fix a toilet. I learned how to be alone when my kids went away to college. In a heartfelt letter from my daughter, she encouraged me to continue to pursue dreams, to live life while you're at it. Mom, find somebody to have coffee with. I took my daughter's advice and accepted an offer by a gentleman to have coffee. He was a Christian, check, full of integrity, check, theologically sound, correct, check, tall, dark, and handsome, Check, check, check. He was a true gentleman, and when he revealed to me on one of our coffee dates 
that his birthday was September 1st. I choked on my coffee. That was the date of my wedding anniversary that I had come to mourn each year. Because I believe God is sovereign and nothing happens by coincidence, I asked the Lord if he was giving me that date to celebrate instead. We continued to date and I fell in love with my knight in shining armor named Daniel Wolf. And we recently celebrated our fourth wedding anniversary. Now I know, dear sisters, as widows, all of our stories are different, but my message to each of you is the same. You are cherished and loved by the God of heaven and earth, who longs for you to read his love letter and to have a relationship with you. Thank you.